Thank you for joining us for Good Friday. This morning we're in Romans 3, 21 to 31. This is often isn't a Good Friday text, but the message in the text applies directly to the reason Good Friday had to happen. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a great British preacher and expositor on the book of Romans, and he once said, There are no more wonderful words in the whole of Scripture than just these two words, but now. These two words signal an abrupt turn for all who put their faith in Jesus. But now is a very significant contrast. Typically when I prepare a message, it helps me to know who I'm speaking to. So as I was preparing this message for today, I had three audiences in mind. The first were the believers who are joyfully worshiping and remembering what Jesus did on the cross for us. For me, it's a struggle sometimes to put words put these things into words because my heart is gripped with thankfulness as I recall the events of the day and the significance that it plays in my life. The second audience was the believer who has a friend or a family member who for a long time hasn't shown any interest in the things of Jesus and is now inquiring. Sometimes we struggle with the right things to say. My prayer today is that you would become a little more secure as you remember what Jesus did for you and that you would be able to share that with this friend or family member. The third audience would be that person who may not know Jesus yet, but is going through a difficult time and is looking for answers. Today, my prayer is that you may be introduced to the one who cares so much for you that he went to the cross for you. I think there's no better place to begin than in the beginning. In the beginning, God created everything, and it was perfect. Adam and Eve, they walked and they talked with God in person. There was no sickness. There was no death. Just face-to-face relationship with the Creator. God created them with free will, knowing that they would choose wrongly and that they would disobey Him. And sin entered the world. Since we are human, we are also born without sin nature as well. We know this because when given the choice, we choose our own way over God's way every time. Here's the main issue. God is perfect. God is perfect and he cannot be around sin. The relationship between God and humanity was was broken. And for us, that means spiritual death. The result would be that we would be continually rebelling against God and eventually spend eternity apart from him. God had a plan. It wasn't a secondary plan. It was the plan all along. He was and he still is in complete control. As we look around the world today, it looks like chaos, but let me assure you, he's in control and he's not surprised by what's happening. We know he had a plan because in Genesis 3, it gives us hints of his plan. Eve's offspring would crush the head of the serpent. This is the hint into what God is planning. This is the first promise of a Savior. Move a little further into the Bible and we see that God chooses a man named Abraham. A man who isn't perfect, but he's faithful. He's a man who strives to live a life that honors God, and he has a relationship with God. Not a face-to-face relationship with God, but a trusting relationship with God. We see that because he was so obedient that when God asked him to, he actually went to sacrifice his own son. God stopped it. God blesses Abraham, and from him comes the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. His chosen people should have been an example of faith. 
God gave them a standard to live by called the Ten Commandments, which are still the standard today. Because these people were also sinful, God knew that he needed to give them a way to make things right with him, a way to atone for their sin. Another way to say this would be a way for them to cover over their sin so that when God looked at them, he saw them as sinless. This meant that something had to die. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Blood had to be shed so that the price could be paid in full for the sin that had been committed. This was often a lamb, and it was a sign of their repentance and their commitment to follow God. Through the sacrifice of one, a person could be made right before God. It was also a sign to them that there is one coming and that there will be one, sacri- one final sacrifice for all people. One ultimate sacrifice would finally be made. Fast forward a little more to Jesus coming to the world. God in the flesh, just as the prophecy said. This was God's plan. And as we look back through, through Scripture, we can see how God was directing and showing his plan all the way along through, all the way through it. The prophet Isaiah not only prophesied about the birth of Jesus, but also about his death. One passage that sticks out to me would be Isaiah 53, 7-9. that said, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his, the shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who in his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. This is the one we're talking about. The one who was oppressed and afflicted. The one who was silent and who took the punishment for us. Jesus, the only one who ever lived a perfect sinless life. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he never sinned. He knew loneliness. He knew rejection. He knew what it was like to be despised, yet he had perfect communion with his father, and he often went off by himself just to be with the father face to face. Now, let's fast forward to the events of Good Friday. Our team did a great job recounting those events of that day. As I read through the account, I was struck once again by the brutal price that Jesus paid for us. He was betrayed by one of his disciples. His own friends didn't seem to care enough that, uh, about what he was going through, and they fell asleep when he needed them most. He uh, anguished about what was about to happen, but he obediently followed God's plan. He was abandoned by the rest of the disciples. He was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was spit on and beaten. He was denied by his closest disciple. He was mocked again and he was beaten. They took a crown of thorns and they pushed it into his head and they led him to Golgotha, hung him on a cross and publicly shamed him. The crowds even came to see him and joined in the insults. I think the thing that probably hurt him the most was when God the Father turned his back on him. Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? William Henderson, Hendrickson comments graphically on the darkness that portends Jesus' cry. The darkness meant judgment, the judgment of God upon our sins. 
his wrath, as it were, burning itself into the very heart of Jesus, so that he, as our substitute, suffered the most intense agony, indescribable woe, terrible isolation, and forsakenness. Hell came to Calvary that day, and the Savior descended into it and bore its horrors in our stead. Jesus' abandonment was horrific, but was not without purpose. Let's head back into Romans 3, 21 to 31. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sinned. None of us deserve any kind of relationship with God. He is perfect, and we are so far from it. We have no chance of making things right on our own. We certainly try, don't we? We try to follow the rules. We try to do good things. We try to be nice to others. We try to be generous. No matter what we do, we still sin. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. We are made right with God through faith. This is a huge concept. Like I said before, the wages of sin is death. This means that a payment is required for the sins that we commit. But Jesus on the cross was that perfect sacrifice who took our place. He was that atoning sacrifice, the one who paid the price for our sin once and for all. Some of your older children and students will have heard that word propitiation. It means that the sacrifice of Jesus is what was required to turn away the wrath of God. God is perfect. You cannot be around sin. And as Jesus was on the cross, he took all of our sin and he paid the price for all of our sin with his own life. And when he said it was finished, the price is paid. The price is paid for the past, the present, and the future sins of all who put their faith in Jesus. We've been redeemed, meaning we, are, we have freedom from the sin and we've been purchased by Jesus. We've been declared right, righteous, meaning we've been made right before God. We've been adopted into his family. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart. But there is a requirement on our part. We have to put our faith in Jesus. We are made right by putting our faith in Jesus. Jesus is the one that we put our trust in. He is the object in which we trust. This whole transaction is a gift. The gift is called grace. Grace is that unmerited favor of God, meaning there is nothing that we can do to earn it. We receive grace from God by trusting in Jesus. We receive redemption by trusting in Jesus. Our sins are forgiven by trusting in Jesus. When God looks at you, even though you aren't perfect and you never can be perfect, because you have put your trust in Jesus. God only sees the perfection of Jesus. He's the one who stands between you and God. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's the atoning sacrifice. It's only through his work on the cross that any of this is even possible. So when you see that phrase, but now, we should be reminded of this. You are once far from God without hope. But... Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Now, if only you put your faith in him, you can be saved. But now truly is one of the most wonderful phrases in the Bible. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that uh, you came to the cross. You died on the cross for our sins. Thank you that you loved us that much. And Lord, we pray that this morning, if there are any who don't know you as their personal Savior, that they would put their faith and their trust in you. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, come into my heart and forgive me. We just pray all these things in your awesome name.